Thanks for listening to our Legacy Church podcast. We hope that today's message helps you in your walk with Christ and you visit us soon at our Legacy Church campus in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. For more information, visit us online at www.legacychurchri.com. Today, I want to talk about the power of meditation. You know, it's through meditation that we develop relationship and friendship with Jesus. It's through meditation that we can experience God for who he is, a spirit, the Holy Spirit who comes and sups with us, who comes and wants to have relationship with us. God is so real, he's more real than the seat that you're sitting on. But many times we don't really come to full apprehension or comprehension of who Jesus really is unless you come to a place of learning to meditate on God. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, Eastern mysticism and transcendental meditation. And for some of you who grew up in the 60s and the 70s, you know, I had some hippie teachers growing up, and they tried to push that stuff. And I remember, you know, actually practicing, you know, with your finger like this, you know, (laughs) sitting down with your legs crossed, closing your eyes, and doing some mantra for 20 minutes, you know, hum, hum. And I remember them really pushing that stuff. You know, we're not talking about that today. Because Eastern mysticism, transcendental meditation, after you're done for 20 minutes floating through the universe, (laughs) you know, free trip to China, and you get back and you're sitting there and you're done with your humming, nothing's changed, people. Your problems are still there. You're still the same person. It's not real. Or I should say it's not Holy Spirit real. I mean, tell you, you can pick up other spirits when you're floating through the universe. But we're called to meditate on a living God, a powerful God. We're called to meditate on the God who created the universe. We serve a live God, a God who wants to know you intimately and wants you to know him intimately. You know, Eastern mysticism, transcendental meditation, it's all about emptying yourself. You're going to empty yourself. Christian meditation is all about filling yourself. Filling yourself with a greater love for Jesus, a greater understanding of his word, the truths of scripture that change our lives. God wants us to learn how to meditate on him. Because as you start learning more about Jesus and really meditating upon Jesus, meditating on his word, you can't help but enter into a process of change. Is that true? How many here can say that when I accepted Jesus, I was one way, but God has been changing me. I'm a new person because of what God has done. Can I hear an amen today? You know, everybody meditates. Everybody meditates. The problem is that probably 99% of our meditation is focused on our problems, on worries. Right? Come on. We all meditate. We're all thinking, some more deeply than others. But the problem is people are meditating on the wrong things, on the wrong things. And I you know... It's a funny thing how God speaks to me, but I was sitting down in my house, and I let my dog out, and I was watching her, 
And, um, and as looking at her, God started speaking to me through my dog. Not that my dog was speaking. Yeah. But I was getting a picture. I want to show you my dog. Do we have a picture of my dog? Come on. Now, her name is Luna. All right? The problem with Luna is she's not a thinker. She doesn't do much meditation. Okay? And so when you let her out, she's constantly in a stage of reacting to everything. The wind blows, she jumps. I'm serious. A leaf moves, she jumps. God forbid there's a bag, you know, floating, a stop and shop bag or a paper bag. She starts screaming like a hyena. Now, she does this all the time. Now, you think, after a while, she starts saying to herself, okay, I've seen this leaf before. I have felt this wind before. I've seen this bag around the yard another time. She doesn't, okay? Because she doesn't have an understanding. She doesn't meditate. Many people live in a constant state of reacting, reaction versus meditation. We react. We react to life. We react to our feelings. We're always reacting. We don't stop and meditate on Jesus Christ, upon his word, upon truths. What's the reality in it all? We're reacting. We're like Luna. Now, you might be cute like Luna, but it's not helpful. So the Apostle Paul says this, at the end of his letter to believers in Philippi, he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, meditate about such things. And I think what Paul is saying is this, as you start meditating on truth, what, is, what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father. You can't find God without Jesus first. As you meditate on the truth, the truth of Jesus, meditate on who is Jesus, really? Jesus, who are you, really? As you start to meditate on Scripture. What is the truth? What is the truth? I believe Paul is saying this. As you meditate on truth, you will begin to live a noble life. You will begin to live a right life, a pure life, a lovely life, an admirable life, an excellent life, a praiseworthy life. How many want a great life? Let's take the admonishment of the Apostle Paul. Because the more you meditate on Jesus, the more you will love him, the more you will see him working in your life, the more you will hear his voice, and the more you will have peace in life. And how many of us need peace in our lives? Come on. And the more you will come to know Jesus and who he truly is, not in the lies that you've been told or not in the deceptions that you lived in or not in the way the world portrays Jesus or lack of Jesus. 
And the more you get to know yourself, because God will show you yourself. You know the Bible says that, that, that Scripture is a mirror. As you start reading God's Word, you start seeing yourself for who you are. And as you start seeing yourself for who you are, you start realizing, oh my goodness, how good is Jesus? Does he know who I am? Does he know what I've done? And even through all of that, he's died on the cross for me. You get to know who Jesus is. Let me give you a definition of meditation. Because meditation is different than prayer. Lots of times we think meditation is prayer. It's different than prayer. Oxford Dictionary says, Meditation is cultivating the presence of God through contemplation, thought, thinking, musing, pondering, consideration, reflection, deliberation, rumination, which means going into deep thought, like really thinking about it, brooding, reverie, which means daydreaming, you know, and concentration and prayer. Now, prayer is a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God. Prayer is more asking God for what you need. Meditation is more getting to know Jesus for who he is, becoming a friend. God wants our friendship. We have to, and especially in this region, we are under an oppressive rule of religion and humanism that contradict who Jesus really is according to the Scripture. You know, I remember when I was 21 years old, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't believe in God anymore. I became very humanistic. Uh, you know, I was in was Bryant University, and I had lots of atheist professors, and, and it was easy for me to ingest everything that was being taught because it's easy. Well, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's harder to live without God. But it's easy to live in sin and, and deny God in your life because you don't have to deal with the consequences, right? If God doesn't exist, heaven doesn't exist, hell doesn't exist, I'm good. I could do whatever I want, you know? And so, but, but it came to a point where, and I know it's the Holy Spirit, I know there's the Lord visiting me in my bed, believe it or not. And, and I started asking myself, why am I so empty, though? Why can't I find happiness? Why am I not satisfied? What is life really about? Is it I'm going to make a lot of money, have a good job, and just live in, through life, and then I die? And the Bible says that eternity is written in the heart of man. Inside of us, we know there's more, there's more, there's more. And as you start to meditate, as you start to think and ponder and question, it's okay to question. It's okay to question. You know, that's why we have growth track and, and we, we have teachings because it's important for us to really know Scripture and not just come to church and kind of, yeah, I just believe in Jesus. Well, why? Why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you think he's real? You know, and I started to think over these things. And, um, and by God's grace, you know, my friend, who's, who's one of the pastors of the church, Pastor Mike, you know, he said, hey, you know, we should start reading the Bible, you know. And I said, you know what, I've read so many books going through college. That's one book I've never really read. You know, and I had a big one in our house. It was a giant one. It was too big to read, okay. It was too big to pick up. So anyway, so I found a little little. New Testament 
that I had from when I was a child. I think when I made my first communion, they give you a little New Testament. And it was the first time I really picked it up and started reading it. And I started reading in New Testament, and I would, I would look for anything that had the name Jesus. And as I started learning about Jesus and thinking about him and thinking about the gospel story and thinking about his words, they like, they're just too powerful to just be literature. Because I, I studied English literature. I studied literature in school. This is different. Something's happening. Someone's speaking to me. Meditation brings you to God. Meditation allows God to speak to you. I want to read a story. And I think we can learn um, some things today on how do we meditate? How do we develop friendship with God? How do we get empowered by God daily? This is a great story in the book of Luke 19. And it's about this man, Zacchaeus. And it says, Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, little short Jewish guy, can you picture this guy? He could not see over the crowd. This poor guy must have been really short. And he couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and he climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him. And I just read somewhere, and it was interesting, that God had put that sycamore fig tree in its place because he knew Zacchaeus would need that tree. Do you know that God will put, will put things in your life, will put people in your life so that you can catch a glimpse of Jesus? How powerful is God? And so he climbed this fig tree to see Jesus, because Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. And so he came down at once and he welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people saw this. This happens in our lives as we get closer to Jesus. And they began to mutter, what's he doing now? Where's she going now? Going to church. I mean, do they know what this guy has done? They know what she's done? Kidding me? The minute they walk in, they're going to kick you out of there. And they started muttering. Said, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner? It's talking about Jesus. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, today has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Salvation has come to this house. And he goes on to say, for the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. This is the character of Jesus. And I want to just kind of glean from this passage, because I, I think we can learn some things today. First, we see the story that, that Jesus is on his way to Bethany because Lazarus is dying. And so here Jesus is, is on his way to Bethany, and he stops what he's doing for this man because 
What Jesus was doing at that moment was more important than the urgent. And now think about this. When Jesus finally gets to Bethany, Lazarus would be dead for four days. So, you know, how long did he really hang out with Zacchaeus? You know, President um, Dwight D. Eisenhower, for those of you who were born at that time, I wasn't. 1953, he said this, what is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. You've got to get this. What's important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. So I want to give some tips today. How do we stop our lives and meditate and do what is important? Number one, you have to prioritize your spiritual life. There's no, nothing more important than your eternal life. There's nothing more important than your spiritual life. See, that's what's important. And what the world tries to do, and what the enemy tries to do, and what life tries to do, is throw what appears to be the urgent, the urgent, the urgent, the urgent, the urgent, so that you don't do what's important, but you're focusing in on what I gotta do. I gotta work. I gotta make money. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Rather than what's important in your spiritual life. And so let me say this How do we start in our meditation? First thing is to honor God's word and start every week in the house of the Lord. God says, honor the Sabbath. It's the fourth commandment. It's God's commandment that says, rest. Stop. Do what's important. Come to my house. Spend time with me. Rest. Eat of my word. You need nourishment. You need health. You'll never be healthy physically, emotionally, your families, your your, your psychological life. You'll never be healthy if you're spiritually sick and malnourished. Come to my house. Be faithful to the house of God. You, your kids, your family. It will save your marriage. It will save your children. It will save you. Amen? You know, the Jew, Jewish rabbis used to call the Sabbath the queen of days. It's the queen of days. Sunday... When we gather, it's the queen of days. It's the most important day of the week. It's the first day of the week. See, if you protect your Sunday, you protect your spiritual time, you are protecting your life, your family, your marriage, your future, your health. There's nothing more important. The Sabbath is God's Sunday dinner. Okay? I'm going to help you get this. It's God's Sunday dinner. It's his prescription for your life. He's the great physician, isn't he? Doesn't the Bible say that, that the Lord Jesus, he's the great physician? Well, take his prescription. He's going to write a prescription for you. Lord, you're the greatest physician. You're greater than my doctors. You're greater than my psychiatrists. You're greater than my counselors. You're the greatest physician. What's your prescription, Lord? He would say... Start meditating on me. Start coming to church every week and getting your heart and your mind and your spirit nourished 
Amen. Come on, do we hear Thanksgiving this morning? The more meditation, the less medication. Write that down. And then another way to prioritize your spiritual life is you have to bring your Sunday into your Mondays through Saturdays. Because otherwise you're just in religion. You're just paying your dues. You have to bring your Sunday into your Monday through Saturday. And what's excellent about churches like this, you are receiving something to bring into your Mondays through Saturdays. Isn't that true? So bring the elements of what we do on Sunday into your daily week. Worship. Get some worship music. Play worship. Shut that junk off on the radio. And, and, you know, at home, put some worship on. Find some time. Pray. Fellowship with God. See, I got a picture that that, you know what religion does? Religion does this. Religion leaves Jesus in the building. See you later, Jesus. Now I'm going to live my real life. Don't leave Jesus in the building. Take Jesus with you. Amen? Have a cup of coffee with Jesus. You mean Jesus drinks coffee? Yeah, I think he likes Starbucks. On Mondays, Tuesdays, he might like Dunkin' Donuts. Maybe he drinks tea. I don't know. know? (laughs) But sit down with him. Talk to him. You know, it's great if you have a cup of coffee. Pull out your, your Bible, you know. Figure out a time that you can meditate on Jesus. Let him talk to you. You know, you know we all talk to ourselves, right? Some of you talk to yourself a little too much. <laughs> you know, I love driving by cars, and, and you can't tell anymore if people are talking to their cell phone. But, but, but sometimes you can't tell, like, you know, walking in the mall and you see someone talking to themselves and they don't have a phone on, you know? But we need to learn to talk to God. Not just ask Him for things, but actually have a conversation with God, you know? Some might say, you know, how do I talk to God? So let me just give you some pointers. Sometimes talking to God is just saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't have words, God. I don't have words. I just am in need. My heart's in need. My mind's in need. My life is in need. My life's a mess, God. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. You know, I was talking to Terry. You guys know Terry the other night. And Terry was saying that his life has really been touched deeply because he, he just started saying to God in his prayer time, I long for you. So I would just raise my hands and he'd say, I long for you, Jesus. I long for you, Jesus. I long for you, Jesus. No big, great prayer. Just, I long for you, Jesus. And he said, God has done more in those words, in his spirit, in his heart, 
Because you're talking to God. You're asking Him, Lord, I want you in my life. I need you now. I need your presence. Jesus, would you come and sit with me? Would you take a seat with me at my table, in my car, wherever you're at? Amen? You know, Psalm 63, 6, Psalmist says, On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Another thing, how do I talk to God? Meditate on Sunday's message. Every Sunday we're, we're learning Scripture together. You know, we now have podcasts on our uh, website, LegacyChurchRI.com. There's other people's podcasts. Listen. Think about it. Like even today. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying that I need to do in my life? Ask God. Another thing to do is to, to get yourself a Bible. If you have a Bible, read a verse every day. Read a passage of Scripture every day. Just read it. And then stop and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? Jesus, what do you want to talk to me about today? You know, I have a lot to talk about, God. You know, I got some bills here, and I got this, and I got that. But what do you want to say? Let the, the Word of God speak to you. Amen? As Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day, to, day and night. And that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How many want to be prosperous and successful? Amen? Let God talk to you. And then another way to talk to God is through community. So I, you know, the Grow Track. I'm happy you even talked about that today. And Cruise. You know, if you've been coming to this church and you've never entered a time of spiritual learning and growing on a journey, how are you going to be taught? How are you going to learn? What are you enjoined with? Get involved. Sign up for Grow Track. Start on a spiritual journey of learning who God is in your life, scripturally, not what you think. Get some truth, because truth is what sets you free. Amen? And the crews are awesome to get to know God and get to know God through others' experiences. The second part of this, this passage of Scripture, we see that Jesus, again, stops in Jericho. What's interesting about Jericho is Jericho, remember the walls of Jericho came toppling down, right? Well, God, through Joshua, cursed Jericho. He cursed it. Because God destroyed the city, and he cursed it. He said, don't ever build the city again. And here's a cursed city, and who's in it? Jesus. I was thinking about that. That our lives are many times in a place of cursing. Generational curses. Bondages have been passed down from generation to generation. Curses of poverty, addiction. God is not afraid. Jesus is a redeemer. He takes what is barren and he brings life to it. Come on. And then he stops for Zacchaeus. He's a, not only a tax collector. The Jews hated him because he was Jewish and he was collecting taxes for the Romans. The Romans hated him because he was Jewish. And he was not just a tax. He was chief among the ta- tax collectors. Who else used that word? The Apostle Paul. When Paul said, I was chief among the sinners. Jesus stops for the worst of us. He stops and he changes our lives. And here's Zacchaeus. He stops for him. And let me say this. No one is unworthy of God's love. 
That's the number one lie that the devil would put on a person. That you are unworthy. That somehow you are not deserving. And that's why so many people are afraid of church. The devil points to their sin, points to their weaknesses, points to things that they're doing that they think, you know, I can't stop doing this. If I go to church, I'm going to have to stop doing this. God comes to you in your barrenness. Under the curses, he's not afraid to stop and talk to you. And not only that, he says, I want to come into your house. He didn't say that to the rabbi. He said that to Zacchaeus. They're all muttering. I can't believe it. He should be coming to my house. I'm the good guy. He goes into Zacchaeus' house. See, don't let... Tip two, don't let guilt, condemnation, feelings of being unworthy stop you from God. Even as a Christian, sometimes you fail. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, you know, what's the use? You stop reading your Bible. You stop missing church here and there. You get disconnected from the body. You know, I'm not going to crew anymore. You know, you start losing because, and then the enemy comes and starts condemning you. He starts condemning you. And even people who, who leave church because they fall into sin, they feel as though they can't come back because they, they're under this, this lie of deception and condemnation. But the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not his character. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, the Bible says. That is good news. And lastly, we see that... that Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus from a distance, from a tree. I'm good up here. I can see Jesus. You know, I'm good up here. I can see him. And Jesus says, that's not good enough. Get down here. I come to church from time to time. I watch a Jesus flick from time to time. Every once in a while, I, you know, I might read a verse of the Bible. My friend tells me about the Bible. She said, what are you doing? Get down from that tree. I want to come to your house. Set a place for me. Make some lasagna. I love lasagna. Or grilled fish. We know Jesus loved fish. See, tip number three, how to develop a life of meditation, friendship with God, is you can't have God in your life from a distance. You can't. You can't. The Lord will be coming after you everywhere you go. (laughs) Everywhere you go, he's chasing you through people. Hey, you got to come to church. Oh, man, you know how many people keep saying that to me? You know, you put on the TV, you know, when a televangelist is on, you know. Hey, you better get to church, you know. You can't escape. You can't. He's going to find you in the tree. He knows your tree. He put it there. Listen, he put that tree there. Not so you can see Jesus, so he can see you. He finds you in your tree and he says, get down from there. Come on. 
I got life for you. I have change for you. I have healing for you. Everything that you're searching for, it's in me. It's in me. That's the truth. I love you. You think you're not loved because of everything you've done or your failures in life. You think you're under a curse. Woe is me. My life will never change. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. I break the curse. I'm going to fight for you, my son. I'm going to fight for you, my daughter. I love you. I forgive you. Come on. Get down from that tree. Let's hang. Let's hang out together. I want to come to your house. I want to spend time with you. And when, let me tell you what happens when, when Jesus comes into your life. Again, and you stop meditating on him and, and developing friendship with him. You are changed. You start to change. You might not go from you know, black to white overnight or you know, from, from all your problems to no problems. But you definitely get on this road, and the Lord is saying, okay, I got you on the right road now. Come on, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking, and your flesh is going to want to, oh, I don't know, I'm afraid. That's all I've known is this big road that I've been on. I know it's a big road that leads to destruction. And the Lord says, come on, hold tight, hold tight, stay in church. Come on, stay in church, read your Bible. Hang out with Christian. You need more Christian people around you. Because you know you. You're always being pulled this way. We need the whole army to pull you this way. <laughs> and here's Zacchaeus. He says, look, Lord. Look. Look. Do you believe this? You know who I was. I used to steal. I used to cheat. I'm filthy rich. He says, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. God changes who you are as he loves us. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We pray you are blessed by our Legacy Church podcast and hope to see you soon at our church service in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You can connect with us on any social media platform at Legacy Church RI. Have a blessed week.